0: During the 19th century, Victorian households would gather around the family hearth on Christmas night. And with their home surrounded by a fresh blanket of snow, as the icy winter wind whistled past their windows, and with a hot cup of tea, or perhaps a warm cup of mulled wine in hand, they would share ghost stories. As the fireplace crackled and settled, one by one, family and friends would regale each other with tales of revenants and hauntings, the undead and the unholy. And while the Victorians, particularly in Britain, were already becoming increasingly obsessed with the spooky and the macabre, the world of the supernatural thrived in the wake of the Industrial Revolution. Steam-powered printing presses and a skyrocketing increase in literacy rates put stories of the supernatural directly in the hands of everyday people for no more than a penny. And Victorians couldn't get enough of these penny dreadfuls, as they were called. During the cold nights leading up to Christmas, when the nights were extra long, and when weather isolated rural families from their neighbors, these spine-tingling stories entertained and often comforted Victorian families, as macabre as that may seem to some of us now. But these merry tales of witches, ghosts, and goblins did not just belong to Victorian Christmas traditions, they are perhaps our oldest Yuletide tradition. Occurring in December for those in the Northern Hemisphere, The winter solstice was the darkest day of the year, the longest night. It was the night when the fragile, invisible wall that protects us against all the beings of the other world ghosts, werewolves, vampires, goblins, ghouls, and demons, was at its thinnest. Yes, more so even than All Hallows' Eve. It was a time of year that reminded us just how vulnerable we are. It was then when our minds began to wander, when that little voice in the back of our minds was loudest. The little voice that tells us we are not alone. That unknown beasts lurk within the darkest forests. That ghosts haunt the old abbey down the road or the ancient castle upon the hill. That creatures of the night creep and crawl within every dark cave and crevice of the earth. Hello, dear people, and welcome back to Paranormal Community College. My name is Riley. And this week, along with next week, I'm going to hopefully add a little spookiness to your holiday festivities, by sharing with you some Christmas-themed ghost stories. I'm not sure if it was ever technically a tradition in my family, but growing up, I remember almost every Christmas Eve night after we had opened up presents and eaten dinner, and after most of the distant family members had left, there would always be some kind of scary movie playing on in the background. My grandma was a big fan of scary movies, uh, true crime documentaries, haunted history shows, things like that and like i remember one year it was silence of the lambs another year it was the bone collector with denzel washington um joyride with paul walker and steve zahn another year it was um, the legend of sleepy hollow with johnny depp so every christmas season i kind of try to settle into the spooky mood and this year i've been reading some horror novels I just finished Misery by Stephen King, which I got to say is probably top three of my favorite novels of all time now. Highly recommend that one. And I just started reading Nosferatu by Joe Hill, and I was exactly yesterday years old when I found out that Joe Hill is Stephen King's song. But anyway, if you are looking for a Christmas-themed horror novel to read over the Christmas holiday break... I highly recommend Nosferatu. I'm only 200 pages in, but it is Christmas themed and it's super creepy so far. But anyway, without further ado, allow me to share with you the story of the mistletoe Bride. On Christmas Day, long ago, festivities at the Bramshill House in Hampshire, England, were in full swing. For it was no ordinary Christmas day, but the wedding of a beautiful young couple. As one's horse-drawn carriage pulled up to this grand Jacobian mansion, they would have seen other carriages of similar style and elegance, one would have heard laughter and music beckoning them from within its walls, and once inside, party guests in their finest dresses and most dapper suits would be waltzing around the grand hall, and the smell of roast venison, fresh chestnuts, and mistletoe would linger through the halls. And in the throes of such a jovial occasion, The young groom scooped up his blushing bride and announced to the crowd how thankful he was for their attendance and for their gifts, but that he must be taking his new wife up to the bedroom. But before the crowd begins to disperse, the bride proposes a little game before the celebration ends, a game of hide and seek. She proposes that she be given five minutes to find a hiding place, and whomsoever should find her shall have their pick of one of the wedding presents. The groom, admiring his bride's playfulness, readily agrees, as do the wedding guests. After five minutes, the groom and guests search high and low for the bride, not an easy task in such a grand mansion. They searched its 15 rooms over and over again, down each hallway, beneath each bed, behind every curtain, inside and outside the manor, but she was nowhere to be found. For the young bride had hidden herself very well, perhaps too well. She ran to the attic and found an old, simple chest that was just about her size. And after crawling inside and closing the lid, her fate was sealed. She lay in that coffin for a few minutes at first, giggling to herself as she heard the guests below clambering to find her, calling out her name. No doubt she had outwit them and she would have to declare herself the winner. But after 30 minutes, she started to get worried. And so she pressed her hands against the lid, ready to reveal herself downstairs. But the chest wouldn't budge. She had locked herself in. She pounded and pounded against the wooden chest, called out for her husband, scratched at the wooden lid until her nails were bloody. Night fell. Days passed. The husband could not believe what tragedy had become of their perfect Christmas wedding. Had she run away? But she seemed so happy. He thought to himself over and over again of anything that could have made her run away from him in such a cruel way, but he was sure nothing could be to blame. Years passed, decades passed, and the young man eventually inherited the old mansion, and he grew into an old, lonely man, for he never remarried, but would find himself hopelessly searching the halls or looking out the window, waiting for his bride to return. That day, of course, never came, at least not how he had hoped. One Christmas night, when the man was old and gray, an upsetting realization hit him like a ton of bricks. After all these years of loneliness, after all these years of searching and hoping and waiting, it occurred to him. There was one place he had forgotten to check. The attic. With lamp in hand, the owner of the mansion slowly walked down the hall, then up to the attic, a sinking, knowing feeling in his stomach. He opened the door, and among the cobweb-covered bits of old furniture and family heirlooms, he spied a plain, rectangular chest in the corner, the size of which was about the perfect length and width for an adult. He approached the chest. Decades of despair and dread haunted him now in this very moment more than ever. The chest slowly creaked open, and the man's eyes welled with tears upon the grisly, skeletal remains of his young, beautiful bride. The inside of the chest, her coffin, was scarred by scratch marks, and inside her bony hands, she was holding a bow of mistletoe. So there are several old manners in England that lay claim to the original Mistletoe Prize story, contending that the legend originated from a very true tragedy sometime long ago. While the story may have been told orally for decades prior, it was first written down in the form of a poem by Samuel Rogers in 1822, which reads, Oh sad was her fate and sportive jest, she hid from her lord in the old oak chest, it closed with a spring and dreadful doom, the bride lay clasped in her living tomb. Of course there's no doubt that the story of the mistletoe bride has been fictionalized and embellished time and time again throughout the decades, but perhaps there was a real Christmas bride who met a sudden and tragic fate such as this. And wherever she may be perhaps her ghostly screams can still be heard each christmas night begging those alive and dead to find her but if there's a character of horror people in the 19th century really seemed obsessed with it was that of the headless horseman a character from western folklore that has been around since at least the 1700s and at Roos hall in the sleepy english town of beckles It is said that a headless horseman is seen to pull up to the long driveway, but once a year, every Christmas Eve. Some who have seen this wispy apparition of a 19th century carriage with a headless horseman at the helm, no less, have claimed to see the ghost of an elegant woman step outside the coach. And, if you should look this specter in the eye, it will drive you mad, or worse, you'll drop dead. Or so they say. Because maybe, this woman is no ghost at all. Perhaps she comes from hell. A demonic horseman escorting her topside once a year to this old manor on the outskirts of town. But why should such a fiend be drawn to this place? Well, the headless horseman is just one of many ghosts, said to haunt Roos Hall. Wealthy landowners, the Roos family built the manor in the 13th century. And if the rumors are true, the DeRoos family had a reputation for doing whatever it took to keep the peasants who worked on their land under their thumb to keep them in line, so to speak. They were a real tough-on-crime kind of clan, is what I'm trying to say. Like any old building that's been around long enough, its history is scarred by tragic deaths, violent deaths, and suicides. But what makes Roos Hall such a dark and ominous place is its history of public execution and torture. As many of you probably already know, people in the Middle Ages were huge fans of cruel and unusual punishment and the executions of criminals, or alleged criminals, were public spectator events, kind of like NASCAR. On the old Daruse property, which is now a private residence and considered to be one of the most haunted houses in all of England, there stands a large oak tree. However, back all those centuries ago, a gibbet stood in its place. And a gibbet is a medieval instrument of torture that was all the rage throughout England. They consisted of human-shaped cages that were hung from these tall kind of t-shaped structures called gibbets hence the name and accused criminals and other 'er ne'er-do-wells would be placed inside these cages for all to see until they died of starvation dehydration and exposure generally speaking moreover lords landlords and kings often refused to take down the bodies after they had expired while people would come from all over to have a look at these grotesque spectacles The people who had to live with them were constantly annoyed and bombarded by the stench of decaying human bodies alone, not to mention the look of it. The daily reminder to stay in line and do what you are told, lest you end up like old Peter the potato thief or Bartholomew the blasphemer up there dangling in gibbets, waiting to die a slow and agonizing death. But at this old oak tree where the gibbet once stood, people have claimed to see the ghost of a young woman in white. They say she paces around the oak tree until she just disappears. Perhaps she is the ghost of a woman who died in one of these gibbets, or perhaps she is the ghost of a loved one of one of the gibbets victims. Those are the theories some have suggested anyway. Others say that at Derus Hall, they've seen the pale face of a child appear in one of the first story windows, only to see it vanish before their very eyes. But if you travel down south to Kent along Hawkehurst Road in Marden, you may be able to witness a gruesome pair of ghosts reenact a scene from centuries ago. That is, of course, if you should travel down this road on Christmas Eve night. Sometime in the 17th century, a notorious highwayman named Gilbert stopped a coach and some horses along this very road. It was Christmas Eve, and a young woman and her father were on their way to a family member's festivities when they were stopped by Gilbert, who was presumably a horse thief and a stagecoach robber. When the carriage came to a stop, Gilbert opened the coach door and as he did, the horses bolted with the father inside, leaving the girl alone on the side of the road with this scoundrel. When she looked into this man's eyes, she could see that it was the same highwayman who had killed her brother just a few years before. She grabbed a knife she had hidden in her purse and stabbed the man in the side before running into the forest. When the horses calmed down and they were able to get the carriage back to where the young woman had been taken, they found the lifeless body of the highwayman, but the daughter was nowhere to be found. Days later, the poor girl was found in the forest, where it appeared she had fallen and hit her head on a rock, likely in her desperate attempt to get away from the man who killed her brother. She, unfortunately, was dead. But it is said that to this day, you can see the young woman and the highwayman wrestling with each other on the side of the road. Some say they've seen a ghostly horse-drawn carriage driving down the side of the road erratically as well. They've seen the barely visible apparition of a man clutching at his side as he falls to the ground. And they see a woman disappear just as she reaches the forest. And before we wrap up part one, I'd like to share some stories from one particularly active haunted location that may have some guests who never checked out, as they say. Built in 1886, The Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, Arkansas has withstood the passage of time, but not without its fair share of mishaps and tragedies. During the hotel's construction, an Irish laborer tragically fell to his death. The area in which he fell is said to now be where room 218 stands, and it is perhaps the room exhibiting the most noticeable paranormal activity. Guests have said they've seen hands coming out of the bathroom mirror. They've heard a man screaming, and some have even claimed to see the apparition of a man falling through the ceiling. Doors will open and slam shut, and the guests will be unable to open them as if they are stuck by unseen hands. The ghost of a four-year-old boy named Brecky, who died of appendicitis, is also seen running around the hotel bouncing a ball. A cat named Morris, who held the distinguished position of hotel manager for 21 years, is often seen prowling through the halls because God forbid he should become derelict in his duties. And in the 1930s, the Crescent Hotel became an experimental cancer hospital. And over the years, some have said to see and even interact with the ghosts of patients, nurses, and doctors. Take, for example, the ghost of cancer patient Theodora, who has been known to even introduce herself to hotel guests and employees. And after pleasantries are exchanged, the mysterious guest disappears, leaving the witness baffled and amazed. There is also the ghost of a doctor who can be seen smoking from his pipe or some report an aroma of cherry tobacco lingering through the halls out of nowhere. At the Crescent Hotel, the Crystal Dining Hall is known for an especially lively group of Victorian ghosts. The kitchen, too, has had its fair share of spooky shenanigans. A cook by the name of Steve Garrison claimed that one morning when he was doing his usual prep work, he saw a little boy in Coke bottle glasses and old-fashioned dress skipping around the kitchen. On another occasion, he walked through the swinging doors to the kitchen and the pots and pans flew off their hooks with no explanation. But this is a Christmas episode after all, and it is during the Christmas season that the dining hall ghosts become the most active and it is during these festive weeks that guests and employees claim to see all kinds of ghosts in Victorian dress. One holiday season, when employees unlocked the dining hall after it had been closed for Christmas Day, they found that the Christmas tree and all the packages beneath it had been moved to the opposite side of the hall. And stranger still, chairs had been neatly placed in a circle around the tree as if, perhaps, some revelers from long ago had returned to the Crescent Hotel for a Christmas gathering. During the holidays, employees and guests have claimed to see the wispy apparitions of Victorian men and women dancing in the hall, just out of the corner of their eye, just for a single moment, as if a snapshot from the past was being replayed for them, even if only for a second. Christmas music and laughter fades in and out of the crystal dining hall when there are no bands or music playing. One employee said that one year, she saw the reflection of a man and woman in Victorian dress in a large mirror that stands in the hall. She said they were facing each other in the mirror as if they were being married. The groom, locked eyes with the employee, smiled at her, and then the reflection disappeared. Some have also seen the ghost of a man sitting at a table by himself. When approached, he'll tell the lucky passerby, I saw the most beautiful woman here last night, and I am waiting for her to return. And there is something especially heartwarming to me about the spirits of the long deceased returning to the world of the living to partake in some Christmas revelry, to be embraced by the warmth of the holiday spirit. Perhaps it is that very warmth that draws them back at least in the case of the Crescent Hotel. I hope you enjoyed these short Christmas ghost stories and make sure you join me next week when I'm going to share a few more ghost stories, but I'm also going to talk a little bit about some ancient folklore and some ancient Christmas traditions that are a little bit on the spooky side. So thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe, leave a comment, all that good stuff. Follow me on Instagram, leave a review or rating, and I hope you guys enjoy a very Merry Christmas. Thank you.